welcome to the Prigya Arora show where we discuss law and entrepreneurship with people who have been there and done that. My name is Prigya Arora, founder of PA Legal, an intellectual property law firm in India. And our guest for today is very inspiring and famous Mr. Bastian Best. So let us directly dive into a conversation with him. So welcome Bastian, thank you for being here. Hello, Prigya. Thanks for, for having me. Thanks for the invitation. Hello, everyone. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Great. So let us begin by, can you tell us your life story and why did you choose a legal career? My life story? Well, that's that's kind of a, a big question right in the beginning. So uh, let's see. Well, so hmm, I would say, I mean... I didn't really choose law specifically because I mean, I'm just like you, I'm a patent attorney and at least in my uh, jurisdiction in Germany and, and in Europe, uh, we patent attorneys, we are not lawyers. We didn't study law in the classic sense, but we are technical guys at heart and then do an ad additional education to become uh, uh, patent attorneys. Um, so my passion was always computer stuff. I've been a computer nerd all my life, basically got my first computer when I was, I think, 12, 12, 13 years, maybe. Uh, no internet back in the days at that time, hardly imaginable today. But then I immediately started tweaking, you know, the, um, uh, the, the um, uh, operating system so that I can run the newest games. And uh, memory was, was quite an issue <laughs> back then and uh, started teaching myself programming with books from the library purely without the internet um, so it was pretty clear to me that i want to do something with it computers programming um, so i went to study computer science was the only logical choice uh, for me um, and after that i started after my studies i started working in the automotive industry first in uh, the development of driver assistance systems so the the electronic helper systems in in the cars and i was fascinated what you can do with with software right also in a tangible on a tangible carrier like like the car in, in real life scenarios then with uh, this kind of embedded software. And, but at the same time, I figured out that I was fascinated by technology and by, by innovation and by learning about new cool things. But on the other hand, I was not so much of a tinkerer myself and I, I was not the perfect one to come up with the inventions. That's what I figured out. And then I, I became aware of the profession of a patent attorney. And I thought, well, this could be really it because then I would be right at the interface between I don't have to invent, uh, I get the inventions and then I have to kind of, yeah, sell them to the patent office, to other companies and things like that to the courts. And then I, I took the leap and escaped from the automotive industry, from my development career path and and uh, started my education as as a patent attorney and that's what i've done ever since yeah and and never regretted it great great absolutely awesome so it's like how all the dots connect and you know we we choose our passion and work in a stream where we can have a mix of everything so thank you so much for sharing yeah, that absolutely that that's one one special thing about being a patent attorney that's so intriguing to me that um, I'm still in my 
field of, of competence, you know, I, I only work on software related cases and digital inventions. So I, I really can use my, my academic knowledge as a computer scientist. On the other hand, I'm getting into touch every day with all sorts of, let's say, application domains of the software inventions, for example, for um, AI related inventions, artificial intelligence. That's very interesting for me as a computer scientist, but the inventions are always in a specific domain and, and the domain is always different and always outside of my circle of competence, which makes it very, very interesting for me because I learn something new every day, basically. But at the same time, I can build on my, my knowledge. So that's a, a great combination for me. Yeah, great. So being a, being a patent attorney is always about learning uh, new things, new inventions, and what's happening around the world in terms of whatever technology is being developed. So I think it, it's pretty interesting to be a patent attorney. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, Bastian, what are the best and worst part of your job? Because you have been in this industry uh, since a decade. And, you know, what do you think, according to you, are the best part of your job and the probably not so good part of your job? Mm, let's see. So the best part, one of the best things I already mentioned, it's the this mix of being a specialist in your domain, but still being in touch with all sorts of, of surrounding technologies. So for example, again, speaking of the AI uh, patent applications I'm working on for my clients, right now I'm, I'm dealing with inventions, uh, let me see, uh, in, in medical technology, for example, in um, computer security, cryptography, then we have um, industrial automation, so companies controlling their production plans with, with um, AI and making things like predictive maintenance. So it's, it's always really, really diverse for me. So that's, that's one of the biggest advantages, I would say, topic-wise um, for the job. And for the type of job, I would say what really intrigues me also is the yeah the freedom to work from from anywhere i mean yeah that that's really i think being a patent attorney is one of the rare jobs where this is really really possible uh to do it because i mean yeah it's in in that sense it's kind of a classic consultant job so all i need for doing my job is basically my knowledge my experience and a computer with internet access um, and that's that's all i need um so i can work where I want, when I want, and that, that gives uh, a great degree of freedom. That's what I really love about the job. Um, the worst parts of the job, let me see, of course. I mean, not, not everything is, is great always. I think the most disappointing, on the one hand, there, there is really not much negative things, I would say, because it's just, I, I just love it. What's, what's really annoying is, of course, when... I think that's the most annoying situation when, I mean, for example, drafting a patent application and prosecu prosecuting it through the patent office take, takes a lot of time and effort and you, you um, really think it through with the inventors and the, the, the patent um, managers from, from your client's company. Uh, so you put a lot of passion in there and then sometimes you get a rejection from the patent office although you really disagree sometimes it's okay if the patent examiner found prior art which is close then okay but sometimes 
a lot of times in the software field, especially things are really open to interpretation. And sometimes I fundamentally disagree with what the patent office has, has done, um, which is not a bad thing in, in, in itself, but the, the, the bad thing is then if in such a situation you, I would really love to, to fight it through on appeal and take it to the next uh, instance and really have it clarified uh, by, by the higher uh, jurisdiction then. But sometimes, of course, the client says, no, uh, this invention is from a business perspective, not interesting enough uh, to, to spend the budget. So we just let this case go abandoned. And this is really, this is really um, annoying for me because I really would have loved to, to have it yeah, sorted out uh, in the end. Yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, being a patent attorney myself, I, resume, I also work in computer and mm -hmm. digital mm -hmm. technology patents and I'm a, an electrical engineer by qualification. So I resonate with this so much because in India also the situation is same. That And I think throughout the globe, the situation regarding software patents is the same. Like we do not have a straightforward answer that something is patentable or not. And it, it, it gives a playing field to attorneys as well and to the examiners as well that we can argue from our point and they can argue from their point and it sometimes becomes very disappointing <laughs> that when we are really uh, you know excited with the technology and examiner is still uh, not agreeing to us. Exactly yeah that, that's exactly the point yeah especially in the digital and software based uh, technologies here. Here in Europe the question is always whether that what the, the whether the the effect the outcome of the software whether this this solves a technical problem and then the question is always is it now a technical problem or is it a non-technical uh, problem which is solved here and of course this is there is no definition of where the borderline is but it's in the end it's really a kind of a political decision <laughs> where you draw the line uh, at least in the border cases and yeah things can get disappointing there but also at the same time this makes it so exciting yeah. that you can you can still in the european system you can still with good arguments and and um, yeah making a good case you can still participate in let's say advancing the, the 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 legal approach the case law yeah but it takes time and that's oftentimes disappointing for the clients uh, because of course it takes a lot of money to uh, to take the cases through all all the instances so Bastian, uh, you know, a question just popped into my mind that uh, how do you deal with clients? Do you tell them beforehand that uh, it is somewhere on the borderline, we may or may not get a patent on it and you have to be all okay with it when we do the prosecution because it's only after three or four years we come to know whether we will get a grant or not. And for this three, four years, sometimes the clients, they get very agitated. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, uh, important, important aspect, of course. Yeah, so so I, I guess this depends a little bit on the on the type of client. So um, the clients I work for from um, large industry corporations or uh, companies who have their typically have their own patent department in house. Uh, of course, they are they know the game, they know the system, and they are most of the time perfectly aware that there are more difficult cases and less difficult cases um, or, or less reliable 
technologies in terms of patentability. Um, so they are perfectly aware of that and they take it as it is, right? They, they have their, uh, they build their portfolios uh, and they are aware that some patent applications will not make it and others will make it. Uh, so, so that's fine um, then. It is especially important, on the other hand, to, to talk about these issues with, uh, for example, startup clients who do uh, the whole patenting process for the first time. So they have no idea uh, what to expect. So here it is really, 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 really important to really um, explain to them and really teach them uh, how the system works and where the, the risks are um, really upfront. Um, because as you say, a patent application examination procedure takes like something between two and four years in Europe, I would say. And um, yeah, it's really disappointing for them when they start with the wrong premise, so to say. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, now coming to, you know, something about IP management. So we discussed about IP protection stuff. And I know you have recently started working in the field of IP management too. So can you share something about how that works and what are the skill re skills required for doing the management part of intellectual property? That's, uh, yeah, I IP management, that's actually one of the, one of the most exciting uh, projects I'm, I'm in uh, right now. So I was starting out as a classic patent attorney and as a patent attorney, Typically, you treat you, you consider yourself a legal advisor, right? Outside of, of the client's company, of course, and um, so so you can most of the time you consider yourself only in charge of yeah, handling the legal the, the patent law related questions. Um, so the client comes to you with an invention report, and then you can estimate the chances of patentability whether you can get it through at the patent office. And what you also can do is, of course, you can estimate the chances and work on drafting the patent application so that it's enforceable later on. But all these are legal aspects, I would say, patent law re related questions. And that's it for many patent attorneys. That's their job and they are fine with that. And um, as soon as the client starts asking, hmm, okay, now I see the, 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 the from, from your... Uh, reports from your estimations i see the chances of getting a patent or of of being able to enforce that patent against the right uh, um, competitors but should i uh, file the patent for uh, what's the business case right so so this is a whole different question this is not a legal question but it's really a business question of whether it makes sense whether yeah the the budget you have to put in is justified to have to have a, a business-related positive outcome. And that's where IP management comes, comes into play. Um, at least if you understand the term as I do, not in the sense of managing protective rights or managing the work with external law firms, but IP management for me really comes down to the question, where's the business case for, for patents? When does it make sense? And, and which patents should you file? I mean, if you have a... Uh, uh, cooperation of a considerable size your, your, um, and if you have a good incentive um, system your developers will come up with all sorts of, of innovations right and the question then comes up you cannot patent all of them because of budget constraints um, so which ones do you file patents for and all of these are more business related and, and highly strategic questions 
So that's what what this umbrella term IP management for me um, encompasses. And I, I have to say, I'm, I'm learning <laughs> in this field. I'm not an expert at all uh, yet. I'm really a, a student of, of IP management myself and um, have the pleasure to be working with some, some really smart people um, in, in the field, in the European IP management um, scene. And there is this um, association, the, the International um, Institute for IP Management, I3PM, um, which existed for a long time, but which has now um, uh, got a new um, board. Um, and I'm happy to be a part of that board. And uh, this year we will we have big plans for, for modernizing this um, association and for yeah, bringing great benefits to its members. Awesome, awesome. And thank you for explaining the difference so beautifully well, because, you know, uh, I, ha I have been patent attorney since about five years now, and it's very difficult to explain the client that uh, legal side of something is very different from the business and strategic side of it. And as a patent attorney, they expect that we would be knowing the strategic side and the business side. <laughs> and it's implied that we'll be knowing that. Uh, that. But sometimes it's for, for us also, it's a learning experience. We have to learn about their business. We have to learn about, you know, the balance sheet and things like that too forecast what kind of IP should be filed and what should not be filed. So thank you so much for explaining that. <laughs> so now, uh, you know, now let's let us switch gears and discuss something about uh, social media. I think that would be one of your <laughs> favorite topics because I've been following your channel and I've been a learner myself through your videos. So when did you start getting into social media and when did you get the idea that you'll simplify patents so that people can experience what, what actually goes into drafting of patents and things like that? Yeah, you you are you are hitting the nail on uh, on the head with, with social media. Yeah, because that's really one of, of one of the the big pillars of my mission to to really um, help businesses make sense of of digital patents, and, and I, I do that by spreading by by sharing uh, tons of free stuff uh, online and and on social media. How did I get into a social media? Well. Hmm. So originally, I think it started out of out of me just being a computer nerd, really. So I was always interested in yeah, um, yeah. Back in the days when I started uh, um, having the computer, as I said, there was no internet. But then when the internet came up, and then when slowly uh, at some point in time, things like uh, yeah, Facebook at that time was the first really social media platform you would really use at least in my um, community um, that's when i was fascinated with the, the the idea that you can really put something into the internet before that the internet was just like a library you could find information there uh, but it was a one-way street and then i suddenly realized well you could you can put in stuff there and people will read it probably um, so that was intriguing to me and then i started playing around with, uh, you know, uh, I set up a little blog when I was uh, doing my education to become a patent attorney to, to kind of document my, my journey a little bit and people picked up on it and, and read it. It's not online 
today anymore and i at some time i lost the the files unfortunately so this first kind of blog doesn't exist anymore uh, but then i was really uh, hooked on this aspect of of being able to to share uh things i consider worth sharing with with really a potentially global audience that's yeah. was really fascinating to me that's why i got into the social media um, and then i actually went to my uh, the firm i was working at the time uh, here in munich in my hometown um, i went to the the management and said well shouldn't we put up a, a facebook profile page for for our firm and then things started to become more Uh, marketing like you know so i then i was using social media more as a marketing channel for the firm and helped the firm build up the the facebook presence and then we got on twitter and what was what was on vogue then and then but more more recently uh, more recently i would say for the last five or six years five or six years i would say i, I really returned to this idea of that social media is really less about media, but more about social, I would say. It's really about uh, building community, exchanging views. It's, it's not about advertising to a, an anonymous audience in a one-way uh, unidirectional manner, but it's really about the dialogue. And it's really, in the end, it's really about networking, okay. building, building a, a network of like-minded people, exchanging opinions, exchanging views, and really spreading knowledge so and that's what i do today and i try to do that on a, on a large scale um yeah because it's it's it brings so much return on the one hand i mean spreading my own knowledge forces me to really articulate myself clearly <laughs> i'm not always managing that but uh, it forces me to to try to do that And on the other hand, I get so much feedback in return, uh, which is just great. Wow, awesome. So, uh, Bastian, how about, you know, uh, people share a lot of knowledge in terms of what is intellectual property, what is patent and how they move forward. But how did you get idea that you'll uh, probably dissect the patent applications and show it to the public that what, what we do on, on a daily basis or... Is there a certain process that you follow, journal watch, or what are the interesting patents? Find out them and then uh, do your dissection and in terms of in front of public. How 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 is your process? Mm, I think so. From my point of view, this is really this was really a mind shift for me. So as I said, when I started out with um, producing really producing content on on social media, I. I I kind of first, I, I kind of fell in this classic trap, I would say, of um, not really knowing what my audience would would like to see and just guessing and yeah, asking myself every week, basically, well, what should I post next week? Hmm? And then coming up with something, something caught and something uh, didn't uh, uh, attract many people. So I think that's a classic mistake many people make. And um, then in the end, I realized that it's really about helping uh, your audience. So first, you have to really know uh, who you want to talk to on social media. And then you really have to know what uh, what can help those those people. And I mean, if, if you realize that, the, the, it's, it's really obvious to just ask <laughs> the, the, the people you want to serve, what, what, what is the things you are struggling with what are your big problems um, and then they will tell you 
And actually this idea of dissecting actual European software patents and looking at how they are drafted and whether there is something to improve or, or not. Uh, that idea, uh, I do that on YouTube in my YouTube videos. It's called the Software Patent Review. And um, the idea really came because um, people just keep asking me all the time in the software field, wow, uh, is software patentable? What can we patent? We are now developing this and that. Is this really patentable? And so I, at some point I thought to myself, well, why not just provide examples of things that are granted patents on? And then this, then that was when the idea was born to just uh, look through existing patents recently granted at the Euro European Patent Office and just uh, discuss those. And uh, the, the process is really simple. So some of the things I discuss are really patents that are uh, mentioned to me by one of my clients when they say, oh, our competitor or this, this and that company has a new patent, we found it. And can you tell us what's in there? What, what, what is it all about? Then I, I use those or I regularly um, look through um, the, the register. Of course, I mean, every patent is, is published and I just look up in the register which patents have been recently granted at the European Patent Office in my field, software and digital inventions. And then I, I scan through them and I, I discuss the, the interesting ones. Awesome, awesome. I like the idea that if you want to make content, you should just ask a, ask your audience, what do you want? What questions do you have? And similarly for dissecting patents, like just know your audience well so that you'll be able to get into the right approach. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's so simple, but that's really what, what really many people, I think, which are active on social media really don't do. It, it's just, it's, the realization that it's not about you, the, the producer, so to say, the creator, but it's always about the audience and how you can serve and help the audience. Correct. Awesome. Love the idea of it's always about the audience and how you can serve your audience. So whenever you produce, I, I'll just give it give it as a takeaway to the audience that whenever you want to develop content or you want to build content, keep audience in mind and have a focus on audience that what do re they really want? What do they really want? And you'll get to what kind of content will work for you. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Bastian, uh, to conclude, can you share some key takeaways to young legal professionals who want to enter into the field, probably start their own law firms or do something in the field of legal entrepreneurship? Some some takeaways for young for young legal professionals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's see. What can I say? I would say maybe maybe two two pieces of advice <laughs> if I, I I am allowed to give advice here so on the one hand i mean what i do now today is i i i've half a year ago i started my own uh little uh law a little patent law firm um and my business model is really a hyper niche specialist law firm right i'm, I'm only doing patents no designs no trademarks no copyrights just patents and only for software and digital uh, um, inventions. So this is really the, the hyper, hyper specialist route, which I took. And I think that's, I can recommend that to everyone because the more 
specialized you get, um, the less competition you have. And yeah, you, you automatically attract the right clients, which perfectly match to your, to your um, skills. I think it's great. But I think in the beginning, it's probably not, not the way to do because when you are young and starting out, you probably don't know yet uh, what your your skills really are, are worth and where really your your passion lies so in the beginning i would recommend really to be a generalist to really be broad and to try out different things and uh, in the legal profession in the patent profession in the ip profession you can do that you can do trademarks designs as i said you can get your education maybe in a litigation heavy firm um, so you see, you see a lot of court uh, um, cases, things like that. So that's my one piece of advice, maybe to start out broad and only then at some later point in time, narrow down. Um, and the other piece of advice would be, well, this kind of ties back to my urge to, to spread uh, my knowledge on, on social media. Maybe the, the advice would be really to, to do good work and to let people know about it because you you can't it, it doesn't make sense to do just one of that you know Absolutely. i mean you have to do good work of course but if no one knows it's nothing worth it's worth, worth nothing and the the opposite is also true um if you are um if you tell the world what you do it everyone knows it but if your work is crap you doesn't mm -hmm. help anyone so you ha really have to do both you have to do good work and and you have to uh, let people know about it Correct. Absolutely awesome. So I'll reiterate what Bastian just said. So he said, start out broad, experiment, experiment and explore what do you love and then probably pick up a field and a niche for yourself and do good work and let people know about that, uh, about it, that you are doing good work. And whenever you mix all these elements together i'm sure clients will come to you and you will not have to go to clients to take work <laughs> so clients will automatically come to you if you're a specialist in one field and you're letting people know that you're doing good work exactly yeah thanks great summary yeah exactly Thank you so much, Bastian, for being on the show and giving your time. I think time is the most important thing which people can give to each other. So thank you so much for giving me your time and giving our audience your time. Thank you very much, Pregya. Thank you for having me. This was great fun. Hey there. Thank you for attending today's session. If you enjoyed our conversation, do follow our channel and consider sharing it with a friend. My name is Prigya Rora, daughter of inspiring parents, alumna of IIT Khadakpur, engineer turned lawyer and entrepreneur, and now founder of PL Legal, where we help creators and innovators protect their intellectual property. Thank you.